Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 22, The Wire, teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and directed by Kim Friedman. This episode aired on May 8th, 1994. This week on Deep Space Nine, Bashir tries to help when Garrick suffers painful headaches from an implant in his brain. This week, we're joined again by our friend Anya. Welcome, Anya. Hi. Hey, welcome back. Long, long time no chat. What's it been, like a month? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, actually, I just edited that episode last week. Yeah, I listened to part our, of it on my way home on my flight, so. <laughs> nice. I stopped We're... listening to our podcast because I don't like hearing my opinions anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I love do- saying things, but I don't like listening to myself. <laughs> What's really funny, though, is like as I like, because of course I, I edit the podcast, so I get to listen to our podcast. Um, <laughs> right. But like, because we like release, like we, we bank episodes, right? So we're kind of, we run about three-ish weeks ahead recording of, of what I'm editing and, and posting that week, right? And so a lot of times I'll forgotten what I said. Like I'll remember the episode, but I'll forgotten the specifics of, of what we talked about. And then I'll be editing and Elise or, or Annie or whomever is, is, is speaking, will be saying something and I'll be thinking something as I'm editing it, like a response to it. And then like 10 seconds later, it gets to me talking and then I say the thing. So I'm like, Oh, that is a consistent opinion. Cause I'm always like worried. I'm going to say something that I like regret later. Or don't agree right. with or no, change my I opinion think... on. Right. And it's like, you know, not that a podcast is like the same as something being like written in cement or something, but it's still like out there in the world as, okay, this is what Matt or Elise or Anya or someone thought at this moment in time so it feels like very not that we should like let's whip ourselves up into the same anxiety this morning if if you hear something from me from three months ago like i don't know her i don't know yeah (laughs) it's like the mariah carey the mariah carey i don't know her meme (laughs) sorry to this man Um, exactly (laughs) different different um actor interview but yes Uh, Uh, so good i just like a couple months ago bought hustlers on Uh, 4k and it it holds up good movie Mm -hmm. Um, i've only seen it the one time in the theater i need to rewatch it so, Anya, why did you pick this episode as one you wanted to talk about? This is the Garishier episode. Like, in my opinion. This is this is it. This is the one. Like, this is... <laughs> this is the one that makes the entire Discord go, oh, wow. You know? Like, <laughs> it's the yeah. hurt comfort. It's the... <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's... The part... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of Bashir, like, watching over Garrick while he was, like, on the mend in just different positions, like <laughs> sleeping on the chair. He was just, that was a little good montage. Mm. I loved it. We're gonna need a montage. I also love like, <laughs> every Garrick episode. You know? I am yes. love this whatever you want to call him. Like, Lizard <laughs> man? Sure. Like, um, but 
war criminal. I don't know. Especially the lies. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just really love everything that Andrew Robinson um, is doing in this episode. Um, all the choices that he makes, says Garrick, are so interesting. But I also wanted to say, for because I haven't brought this up recently, is... I don't remember this episode at all. Like, none of this oh, really? felt familiar to me. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, how could I not remember this? I loved it so much. Like, it's. I think it's such a great episode, and I can't believe I didn't remember it. I mean, that just means you get to rewatch it, you know? Yeah. It was kind of nice, because I didn't know... It wasn't even one of those where, like, you're watching it and you're like, oh, I remember this part. Oh, I remember how it ends. Like, as it progresses, there was, like, no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Recall? I don't know. Yeah, there was, like, no recalling any of it. That's So it was, like, the opposite of Total Recall. <laughs> yes. It was... Um, uh, sorry, <laughs> form this morning. I'm like, what's the opposite of total? Um, incomplete, incomplete <laughs> empty spaces oh fill me God. up with holes. What is this? Distant spaces. I don't know, but it's, when you said empty spaces, I thought you were singing Mad World for a second. No, so it's it's a Backstreet Boys song, but it's from like. <laughs> One of their comeback albums is like oh one of the God. newer ones. It's like where they're all standing like in a field. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not one to know um, Backstreet Boys of any um, era. Were you an NSYNC they then? No, I, I, my younger sister was really into NSYNC, and I just felt like I was too old for it. Um. Yeah, it's from 2005 from their album Never Gone. Yeah, I so was that like gives you... 23 then, so. Oh, I was definitely in university <laughs> and my like one good friend and I were like this song is good, but we like it, but we were acting like we liked it ironically, but really I think we just like <laughs> I understand. pop music. I have Yeah. I have some of those. Um when InSync was really popular, I was very into um like Nirvana and stuff, so I just like was not I was not on their level or they weren't on my level. I don't know. No judgment. I think um pop music is fun and I just it just wasn't my thing at the time. I was like trying too hard to be very cool. I think we all do that. You're not alone on that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, when... so. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to go on about the episode. <laughs> oh, please do. Please do. Yeah. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. <laughs> I was kind of laughing. I, I don't know that either if either of you have really seen um, Gilmore Girls. But um, when when Bashir was trying to like describe how he felt about that book, The Never Ending Sacrifice to Garrick and how it was like seven generations of family and like the same story was being told over and over again. It reminded me of the um 
when the Gilmore Girls did their revival, like, a, a year in the life, there was a summer episode where they put on this, like, play about Stars Hollow, which is their town, from, like, its creation, or, like, its founding to now, and it literally was the same two actors. It was Sutton Foster, and I forget who the male actor was, um, and they just were, like, the same boring couple, like, throughout history, like, until modern times and it just seemed like and it was bad like in the show and this book sounded exactly the same to me and it was like I so I got an extra amusement out of that yeah it really um kind of leaves me with a question we're talking about um, I incorrectly called the never ending sacrifice an enigma tale um, earlier this this season, so I apologize. It's 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 a uh, generational epic. Um, but when we're Which talking is like about the gener- highest form of like Cardassian storytelling, yeah, it's it's like Cardassian <laughs> War and Peace or some shit. Um, <laughs> but it really leaves me with the question: Who lives? Who dies? Who tells your story? And really, it's the next generation in service to the state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if those are pity laughs, but I'm gonna pretend they're not. <laughs> I don't think we would pity laugh at you. You see, but the difference between your polite laughs to the joke and then the uh, your laughs to I don't know if those are pity laughs. I think implies what that that case is. There. Um, I wouldn't so, say pity. You know. It was more like a like. Okay, you know, like I admire the craft. Okay, like. <laughs> All right, I'll speak for myself. I wasn't pity laughing for you. <laughs> I was excited to see um, Kelly Taylor's mom and Gillespie back as Nurse Jabara, and I did look it up, and we get to see her two more times after this in season three. I know so little about nine hundred two one zero. I think I know like the pilot of the revival and that's it but i know that i mean that's still fine yeah well and the 90210 revival is is back in the news because what's your name had that that viral oh video. yeah that like um, if i was your mom yeah dear putin something yeah. whatever yeah cringe yeah. so cringe as fuck poem it's just very very white woman instagram um to quote bo burnham but i have a question (laughs) for i guess you elise primarily as the original beverly hills 90210 stan um yes what if ds9 exists within the 90210 universe and we're actually watching kelly taylor's mom play nurse jabara so i feel like this is entirely possible because in Nine she does play like a former model so i wouldn't be surprised if she just like had some random acting gigs that like we just weren't privy to like it didn't have time to fit itself into the script of um like it happened behind the scenes yeah i could see that's, I could definitely that's see interesting it. i remembered her as like a former actress but i guess maybe that was i mean i, I mean she could have done both. both i think both. she was yeah. a model i re- i honestly it's been a really long time since i've seen those earlier episodes the earlier seasons yeah well the 90s but, yeah. was the time of the multi-hyphenate right so yeah. i think we could all be triple right threat <laughs> yeah <laughs> It bothered me. (laughs) I was bothered when 
Jack said to Garrick, it's not like, or sorry, said to um, Bashir about Garrick, it's not like you two are really friends. And I was like, okay, you have lunch with someone weekly for at least a year. I would feel like you're it's like going on two friends. years almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like, am I missing something? Like, I don't know. I was kind of. I think that part of what that was. bothered me. Yeah. I can understand why. But like, everyone thinks that Garrick's a spy, right? So I think part of that was like, yeah. oh, you're not like falling for it, right? Like you don't, you don't right. trust that dude, right? And we also see like Julian's definitely been falling for it for a while. Like he, like on top of finding Garrick, I think fascinating. I think he, and I don't mean falling for his like lies. It's more like I think he can tell like his. I don't know. I think he understands Garrick's vibes is like the least is like the best way I could explain it. Like in a way that others don't too. And like Yeah, yeah. He's seen they don't see it. He's seen like what is real beneath like Garrick's performance. Yeah, and even if like the stories aren't true, I feel like he gets like that Garrick's not like you know. Yeah. Not yeah, a total it's piece it's of shit. Yeah, it's 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 very like undax like. Like I get that like Yeah, I felt um, out of character. And I get that when we see in season 1 um Julian and Garrick's first meeting and and we have Julian's like bisexual panic. Um <laughs> there's like the, I always think of that great video where like the kind of that scene where it adds yes. like the Mario music on the back. Yes, I was literally about that. to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, and so like, yeah, I definitely think like Julian is geeked. It's like, oh, it's the spy. He's talking to me like in that episode. But like, it's very clear that they're in relationship. And like, even if it did have more um bumpers on it than i think it actually does it, and clear in this episode that, but like that dax thinks about like of course he's gonna like care about him because like julian's also like a doctor and he's like for all his like tenacious smugness there is a genuine caring and compassionate person in there um which i think is what has kind of made me frustrated with Julian over the last two seasons, like especially like rewatching it um, with kind of, you know, 2021 and 2022 eyes where it's like, I know Julian is in there. I like, I know more who that character is and he's like not really being who I know he is. Cause like this whole like performativeness that he's like acting out and like, there's just a lack of, self-awareness i don't know it's just that whole i agree at least that whole exchange was was frustrating in many ways like this episode felt very like 90s star trek to me um it's exploring referencing dealing with the concept of like addiction and self-medication as they relate to like depression right um and and a pretty severe kind of depressive episode that that garrick's in and that's why he's turned on the device and you know when the device stops working why you know he ends up going to to quarks and and kind of spiraling a bit there um 
I do think that in a very like '90s Trek way, there are some not great assumptions kind of below the the surface about like what what addiction is and how it manifests and and different things like that, um, mental health in general. Right. But in in spite of it being a. <laughs> A portion of its its times or a part of its times. Um, I do think there are some like good parts in the episode for sure. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on like what doesn't work for you? Uh, yeah. Um, do, 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 do. what doesn't work for me? I think it's maybe more because I was doing some reading kind of in the like background. Um, of like the synthesis of the episode and different things like that. And like originally the original pitch for this episode was actually going to be a cure episode, not like a, a Garrick episode for lack of a better word. Right. And it was going to be Kira being addicted to some kind of like battle stimulant or something like that, that she took during her, her resistance days. And this ended up getting not supported from, from higher up because they didn't want to felt like they would have to like address Kira's like addiction that, that she overcame this episode going forward in in future episodes. And again, they wanted to avoid overt heavy serialization at this time. And they were also worried about how Kira was, would be perceived like as a character, if she hadn't like an addiction issue, Um, which again, I think, and not to skip too far ahead to where, where what you have it in the notes, Anya, where I think the episode is very careful um, about not necessarily like condemning Garrick and like is giving is seeking to understand Garrick in, in a different way and like what he's like the heaviness that he lives with and that and that he carries. Um, I just think like it's a little. And because it's like a forty-five minute serialized episode of television from the ninety from nineteen ninety four or whatever, um, it's better than a lot of cases. And yeah, I don't think it necessarily like condemns Garrick in the way that like the writers' room was worried that the audience would would condemn Kira. But like, I think having it as Garrick gives them a bit of an out compared to like if it had been Kira or something like that. And then we don't really. Mm. I think that what you're getting at is that because uh, Garrick is an ambiguously like moral character, they felt they had more room to play with. And yeah. And then it's never referenced again because it's like serialized television, like, which isn't like, cause like addiction like is a disease and it's like, you know, like a lifelong, like, you know, struggle and, and, and not, not necessarily like struggle the whole time, but like, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's not like tightly think wrapped up in 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I felt this episode was hard to watch, like for like slightly different reasons, which I think are, are a good and like accurate portrayal, but uh, how do I want to phrase this without being too triggering? Um, when Garrick is in like a mental health crisis and Julian is not only his doctor, but is being his 
really close friend and trying to support it and and Garrick is like lashing out at Julian. I think that's very accurate to when some people are in like various mental health crises and they're like, you know, whether it's their partners or close friends or whatever are are lashing out and I think Julian has the professional tools as a as a federation physician to know how to handle that. But like this watch, I found some of those scenes really kind of hard to get through and i know that that's like like a me thing more so than necessarily like the episode thing and like well i think it adds different layers of of you know like both like drama and things like that to the like the episode and i do think it is accurate um i just have i've just been thinking a lot about the lack of consequences for actions and the way in which um largely cis men white cis men specifically of course in this case we have a lizard man because <laughs> it's star trek but um perpetuate patriarchy by using their privilege to expect understanding when they're in crisis and like i think we can and I think, like, again, we, we know why people, like, lash out when they're in mental health crises, and we can have compassion for that, but that doesn't um, always excuse their actions, and their actions often don't have consequences, and they don't expect them, and they, like, I don't know. This is a lot of, I'm going to stop here before, because I feel like I'm going on a tangent, and this is stuff I'm bringing to the text. I acknowledge that. It's not stuff that's, like, inherently in the text. So, yeah. Sorry, that wasn't as coherent as I... I don't know it's all good I, I get where you're coming what you, from because like I understand what you're saying Garrick definitely like not only does he admit to like terrible things during it but he's you know not having a great time and lashing out he's kind of in that like John Mulaney has this great joke about like when you're having a bad mental health time and you're like I don't want to be doing this either so, like and it's just like yeah I don't want me to be doing this either um and I think that maybe something that this ep episode is great about is that, like, a lot of the times people do not get space in mental health crises to make mistakes. And, like, I know you just said the opposite thing, but, um, like, imagining a situation where someone, like, is given the chance to relapse and come back and, like, a way where everyone understands pretty much, except for Odo. I think Odo, maybe, he are is his consequence <laughs> in a way if that makes any sense Odo's just like yes now I can surveil you and watch for any mistake you make hmm yeah I just like like it's it's thorny where like I don't know what the medical ethics of Starfleet would be of like Julian being as close to Garrick as he is and then you know things like that but like It just, like, it almost read to me in those scenes. And again, this is stuff that I bring to the to the text. But it's, like, almost a form of, like, intimate partner violence, right? And, like, abuse as, like, Garrick is, like, lashing out. I know why he's doing it. And I know Julian has, like, the training and the de-escalation techniques to, like, ride it out. But, like, 
I don't know. It just like, and maybe this is what I'm like dancing around on. I'm still like processing. And like, again, I'm not, I am not a crisis counselor. I do not work in, in addictions or, or any kind of like mental health field. Um, I just have my life experience, <laughs> which is a pretty small just, and those life experiences that friends around me share. Um, but like, like the, I don't know as much as like it worked for me in the moment. And there's that good scene, at least that you were mentioning before about like Garrick riding out or Julian riding out Garrick's like withdrawal with him. And like, again, I think as a, as a, as his physician, um, that, that makes sense, but the lines are blurred, but it's like by bringing that kind of more like subtextual romantic read to this maybe that's where i'm getting this very kind of specific like reaction where it's like if you are someone's partner and they are like going through like is that like the greatest act of love like but like at what dangers to like yourself and your own mental like i'm totally off book now so i'm sorry that's okay i I just wanted to I was just going to say that um, we haven't gotten to the part where I talked about the withdrawal thing yet, but I will talk about it when we get to it. I thought you talked about, like, the, like, the that one montage. Sorry. It was, oh, yes, forget it. Okay. Ignore me. I didn't use those words yet. It doesn't matter. I think another- Anya, what were you going to say? I think another interesting thing that we're working with here is, like, what the intent of the writers versus the actors were. Because, like, Andy Robinson has been like, yes, I played this as, like, a romantic relationship. Um, oh, and he got told to, like, basically tone down, like, because, like, like, he, like, is a lot, like, his performance isn't what it was, like, when he first kind of come out of the gate and was being, like, very queer-coded. Where it's still there, but, like, I feel like he got notes to tone it down a bit. Oh, without a doubt. Right. <laughs> so I think that we are sort of working with that subtext, but it definitely wasn't necessarily written to have it. So there's something that we yeah. bring when we look into it now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Do you guys want to get into the, like, I feel like this episode kind of is, didn't really have like a B or C plot. No, it um, didn't. It just was all, yeah, all A. So I feel like the only really, Way to discuss it is a little bit of it in order, but also kind of, we talked a lot about our feelings about um, Andrew Robinson's acting and stuff, but I wanted to get into a little bit of like what actually happened in the episode. If we're ready. Mm. One of the, after the headaches, or after, um, at the beginning of the episode, Julian and Garrick are trying to get food, and there's a lot of um, people around, and Garrick kind of has, like, a freak out. And then we next see him, or he has, like, a headache or whatever, and we next see him drunk at Quirks. And, like, I wish that drunk Garrick was, like, I can imagine, I kept thinking about how I wanted to, like, hug drunk Garrick, but I also thought, because he was, like, so unruly and stressed out, but I thought that fun 
drunk Garrick could be a thing that, like, we don't get to see, but I want to see that. Because he was so, like, I don't know, (laughs) being very loud, and I just felt like if he was drunk for a fun reason, I would want to hang out with him. That was all I'm getting at here, that I want to hang out with Garrick. Whom's to amongst us? Yeah. You know? Totally. We'd have a great time. I think we would. <laughs> and um, so we find out there's this implant in his brain that's been there for years, and that whole thing was like when the name of the episode was called The Wire. I immediately, because I remember I said I didn't remember this episode, I immediately thought maybe it was some sort of, like, listening device that was, like, spying on the station that he, like, had no control over that was, like, in his brain. Or so, like, I was making up, like, a, a whole, like, story behind it that wasn't actually there. That'd be Can you tell us more about yeah. the story? Oh, I just meant, like, that he, like, that the Obsidian Order, like, put it in his brain and that he, like, it was, like, recording his conversations with Julian and, like, reporting them back. (laughs) Or, like, whatever he heard on the station. That could be a fun episode. Not that. I know. Because you think of the wire. I think of someone wearing a wire. Um, But I do think the actual use of this implant is more interesting than my it my story that I made up like the idea that you would like have this to turn up your endorphins so that you can like not be hurt during tor- being when you're being tortured is wild it kind of it makes more sense than taking like a cyanide pill or something to like keep your mouth shut I mean the cyanide pill like finally it does make your (laughs) your mouth stay shut forever yes (laughs) Uh, but you're right that is like seemingly that that, like endorphin device is seemingly um, altruistic in a way instead of just like expecting them to uh, kill themselves when captured right that's that's all I'm trying to say no 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 I I know I know I know I know yeah I think the car. I would. I was surprised the Cardassians would have something so um, helpful in like a a nice way. Like it, you know what I mean. Or is it because they don't yeah. want to train more spies? <laughs> or when you're like that level of a spy, like, and you have the type you, of knowledge that yeah Derek has, yeah. You're That's that funny. much more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. The Excuse opportunity me. cost of killing him is not is not enough. <laughs> um, of course, it, it was weird to me. Reasons. Sorry. Oh, sorry. To cut you off. Oh you- no, you're fine. I was moving on to something else. So you go first. There could be some other reasons why, like, any Brintain would have uh, picked him for some reason to have that. Yeah. Maybe they're like Catholic- space Catholics, and they just like you'll go to hell if you kill yourself. <laughs> Um, 
So I found it really awkward that Bashir went to Odo and told him any of this. Um, Like, I get that, like, Bashir is the doctor, so on one hand, he wants to, like, help his patient, and on the other hand, he wants to help his friend. But, like, you can't just go telling the security officer someone's medical stuff. Like, I know we don't have space HIPAA, but, like, it just felt weird. And then, coincidentally, Odo had all this other information from, like, spying on Quark. Like, oh, yeah, he's been sending messages to Cardassia Prime. Like, good thing Julian told Odo. Otherwise, if he told someone else, he might not have gotten this extra information. That whole bit felt a little too wrapped in a bow for me. Mm. like the script it just seemed a little too easy but i did decide that odo confirmed would read your email if you dated him 100 percent. yeah speaking of intimate partner violence (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's like i routinely monitor all of quark's subspace communications terrifying like and then jillian's like do you monitor mine and i was like should I? Just like, <laughs> fuck off. Dude. At least Bashir like... asked whether it was legal, though he definitely didn't care when Odo kind of gave him like a probably not. Um, I thought it was really funny, like when Cork went to call that um Bohik or whatever that guy's name was to get to get the piece of uh. I guess the, the requisition number of the tech, yeah, yeah the, the schematics. It was like yeah. some like confidential Obsidian Order is like monitoring it. The Obsidian Order is basically like the CIA or the NSA combined, I would imagine, of like Cardassia. And like they're gonna. Quark looked proper scared. Like, he looked like he was about to shit his pants. As soon as he found out that the Obsidian Order was involved, he was like, uh, bye. Don't know you. (laughs) I did also want to comment that I know... So, there were a couple things where the script kind of bothered me. So, one was the, um... Odo just happened to be spying on Quark. Like, whatever. But, um... I know they have Julian ask Odo what the Obsidian Order is so that the audience could get an explanation of what the Obsidian Order is. But the, like, mm-hmm. I have a hard time. Like, I do know that Julian's always supposed to be a little bit more ignorant about other cultures. But I do really have a hard time of, like, the chief medical officer going to a Bajoran station and not knowing the key players in the conflict that Bajor just had. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I would just think, especially with how much Julian talks about how he studied in school and all this stuff. Like, I just, it didn't, I know they did it for the audience, but it really just doesn't make sense to me that he wouldn't know, like, the key players or organizations within, like, Bajor and Cardassia because of his position. Yeah, but he's like, sorry, Anya, go ahead. The whole point of the Obsidian Order is that you don't know about them. Right? Yeah, they're like the Spanish Inquisition. Like, no one sees them coming. I. But if Odo knows about it, then I think Cisco should know about it. And I really think he would have told his senior staff. Like, it just doesn't. I still. It doesn't make sense to me. I do think that, like, there'd still be certain things that you don't want to trickle down the chain of command, though. Like, the thing with the Obsidian Order is that they're so dangerous that, like. 
you don't want to know about them at that point. Like, is like how I've always interpreted them is that like they are terrifying because mm-hmm. of like how much power they are given and how like few consequences they face. And part of that is like them not being well known outside of Cardassian society. And Maybe. like, it just feels to me like it'd be something that would be like an open secret. I don't know. I thought the implication was like it is somewhat within Cardassian society, but it's one of those like totalitarian little things where they're like I I kind of read it as like snobbish pride that they wouldn't let that you know what? Like Odo used do you to think be part of the Odo would have told Do you think Odo would have told Cisco at least? Mm-hmm. I I mean like Odo I I don't Odo is the thing. And I don't view him as being as helpful as he thinks he is. So, do you think Kira knows about the Obsidian Order, and do you think she would tell Cisco? I mean, may- maybe. But why? Why? Like, we don't know that Cisco doesn't know that they're a thing. But I just, right? I don't know. I just feel like Kira has a big mouth and would tell everyone too. I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading it. I, I don't think your read is wrong. I think it's different from mine. That doesn't make it wrong at all. Yeah, it just didn't. That just didn't work for me. Yeah, that's fair. Well, um, and I think, I think too, you're, you're exactly right, Elise. Where like the the purpose of that scene is like, in the in that moment, Bashir is like the audience surrogate because yeah, uh, the writers are introducing something new to the lore in the Obsidian Order, and even like comparing it to the Tal Shiar, which are like yes. the Romulan super mm-hmm. super spy like government order, yeah. which like the audience would be familiar with from next gen a couple times. It's mm-hmm. like they're drawing comparisons saying these guys are even worse. Like I, I hear what you're saying, but like it didn't you're exactly right in how it functions structurally in the script. It just didn't bug me, I think, in the same way, but that's okay. Yeah, I think for me, like, I do enjoy, like, audience surrogate type performances and information sometimes, but it's, like, a fine line for me on whether it works or not is all. So maybe it's just, like, something that can irk me more easily also. Yeah, no, I mean, we all all have those. I had... I had my incomprehensive ramblings about like stuff I was bringing to the text that isn't right. in the text earlier. So I totally feel yeah. Mine does seem a little more superficial though. <laughs> uh, um, I was really bothered by Odo becoming a cab again. I know he never like stops being a police officer type role. But him, mm-hmm. like, complimenting the efficiency of the order is super gross. Um, he's made comments before about throwing out the book or when things were under the Cardassians, they were... It might not have been good, but at least you knew what to do. And, like, that whole... Ugh, thumbs down. I don't even have more words to say about that besides thumbs down. <laughs> Yeah. Which actually, oh, I do have things to say. Sorry. <laughs> this week, this week, there has been so much anti-Semitism on the fucking Twitter timeline. I'm about to go on a rant of people like downplaying Hitler to discuss how horrible Putin is. And I'm like, we do not need to be comparing these two men. They're both horrible. Um, 
And, like, it feels kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the connection is. But it feels really gross for Odo. After having me deal with that all week, it feels really gross because there have been a lot of lies about, like, Hitler's use of um, chemical weapons or whether Hitler um, killed ethnic German people because like I guess you can't be Jewish and also German and also like that's what they're implying but also like German gay people or German people with mental health issues like those people got killed as well so it just feels super gross to me to like say like oh they're very efficient it's like almost feels the same as like I know it's not the same like concept but it feels the same to me as people being like well at least Hitler didn't use chemical weapons which like isn't even true so it's gross I'm just really turned off by like I don't know that those two concepts even make sense together but I know like you this somewhere he's being, so I am gonna he's being a Cardassian yeah. occupier sympathizer in that moment like yes you're yeah you're coming from a real place don't worry yeah and like I just it's been a shit week. Um, so I needed to vent somewhere. All right, that's all. Yeah, fuck Odo. Yes. Fuck Odo. Okay. <sighs> Why wouldn't I want to be on for this episode? It's got everything. <laughs> <laughs> That is the first time that I, like, ranted on this podcast with absolutely no notes. Like, I just... So, you got to witness that. Whether it makes it onto the episode or not, who knows. <laughs> Where were we in the notes, by the way? I don't know. Um, Dabo Girls. I was just thinking that. Okay. No, you had a comment about Dabo Girls. Oh, okay, yes. So, I'm, I'm never not thinking about, like, what Dabo Girls <laughs> are expected to do as part of their job. Because, like, it just seems like the worst of every job put together, except at least you get to be pretty during it. But, like, while this is, like, Quark has been calling someone from Cardassia, um, and he's like, oh, I've, that Davo girl still talks about you or whatever. And it's like, did they have to do Davo work during the occupation? Like, imagine just having mm-hmm, to, like... Right. <sighs> Like, we, we don't respect... No, I get what you're saying. <laughs> and I was going to go on to sex workers' rights because I kind of read Double Girls as partially being sex workers. Um, just in how I do, too, quoted. actually. Yeah, without a doubt, right? No, I, I, I think so, too. Because they're, like, almost like entertainment directors where they're supposed to help you be entertained. And it's very unclear what that's, is, how that's specified. So I totally agree with you like it's like being like a blackjack dealer in addition to like a stripper yeah yeah Yeah. it's and well and that goes back to the whole like remember early in season one the whole concept of like ds9 being like the western town Mm. right yeah like corks being the saloon with the like you know what i mean yeah so yeah so okay so you're definitely i don't think you're alone in that reading perfect because you know (laughs) I made a joke once on Twitter that somehow got me followers, and I was like, I don't want to be looking for a job anymore. I just want to be a Dabo girl. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> what did I on for? <laughs> but, um, right. Yeah. Which, like, you know, no judgment, of course, if that's how you want to 
make your money, but I also feel like he probably just didn't consider all of it when you said that. I mean, I was just kind of like, I would rather be on Deep Space Nine than in front of this laptop right yeah. now. But... <laughs> I just want to hang out with the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you. <laughs> I do find that there's like this internet culture where like, if you, and I feel this often where like, I write something and then it occurs to me, it can be taken X, Y, Z way. And then I'm like, do I bother correcting what I meant or and I, and then I end up just um like defending myself against no one for like an hour. Yeah. When no one everyone that read it probably understood my original meaning anyway. There's definitely a fear of like being taken in bad faith and like getting dogpiled. Yes, a hundred percent. It's something I deal with a lot actually. I'm I'm trying to get better about it. It's hard. Yeah, of course. Like the anxiety around it. All right. Up to Garrick. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked we talked about how this implant was put there to give him endorphins, but he wasn't supposed to be using it all the time and he has turned it on. He turned it on 2 years ago and has just been living with these extra endorphins for 2 years. Because it makes living around Bajorans who hate him um tolerable more bearable and it's more and yeah and and the climate issues of the station it's too cold they mentioned like endorphins and how it all works and you do naturally get endorphins like during an injury so i was kind of wondering like would it be something that's sort of if being tortured you're being injured most likely and i was wondering Mm -hmm. if like that's how like it just ups that in some way way but also like your neurotransmitters would be so fried after like two years of continuous use of just, like, nonstop endorphins, dopamine, oxytocin, um, and all that. So, like, yeah. I'm very curious about, like, I want to know more about the Cardassian brain and also just space future. <laughs> <laughs> how do you fix that? Like, how did he fix it? I don't know. I want to know. I want to know. We need, a jur- we need a medical journal article about this. <laughs> I want to know more about the Cardassian (laughs) oh my gosh um please never change (laughs) both of you um I loved every scene where Garrick and Mashir were just like having their back and forths like there was a time where where um especially when Garrick kind of explains things to Bashir or at least the first version of the explanation because we know that like not anything of what Garrick nothing that Garrick's saying is the whole truth like individually um but the way that they're going back and forth it reminded me of like a screwball comedy because they're bickering and they have really good comebacks for each other and especially this exchange when Garrick said to Bashir, Doctor, did anyone ever tell you that you are an infuriating pest? And without a beat, Bashir says, Chief O'Brien, all the time, and I don't pay any attention to him either. And I just was like, this is like a, a perfect, amazing lover's quarrel. And I would watch a whole movie about these two. Give me my femme fatale Garrick. Um, <laughs> exactly. And- <laughs> 
I mean, that's just oh. our man Bashir, which I call dibs. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. It's so good. And like, I do appreciate that part of what's what has Garrick screaming is that he's like, but, you know, I know we do go to lunch once a week, but you don't actually know me. There's So he basically implies to him that, you know, I was a murderer and Bashir's, I love this because Bashir is a doctor and he should not consider what kind of person he's trying to save because that would, that's an inhumane thing. Um, you just, if someone is a person, you, a doctor should fix them if they can. Um, and I do find it great when Bashir is just like, all I care now is that you're my patient. And I just really felt that that was, it just showed that Bashir is an ethical dude and it made me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have, like, a whole little analysis in here about, like, how self-loathing would be, like, a function within Cardassian society that, like, helps it continue to perpetuate its, like, totalitarian endeavors by isolating each person and, like, letting them just dig into self-loathing. Because, like, Mm. Garrick just immediately dives into hating himself and, like, not wanting help. Yeah. And I don't think that, like, I have anything to go with here. I just wrote a little piece on that, and I'm good. (laughs) Those are the vibes you got. (laughs) Uh, And even just, like, the whole idea of, like, the um, generational epic and, like, in service to the state and how that that perpetuates itself across the generation and the never-ending sacrifice with the idea that that the suffering that isn't acknowledged there and that that's what Garrick is, is living, right? It's like because of his service to, to the state and yeah, no, it's, there's lots of good stuff in this episode. Yeah, especially, I feel like this episode is even better when you get to the end of the series and watch back with the context we get later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, that's one of the things that like, I think hurt my watch on this episode is like, knowing that like when it seems like Garrick is letting Julian in and and sharing things about his past, it's still like a lie and like a different version of it. And like the whole Elam stuff. And like, as Tane acknowledges at the end of the episode, the reveal that um, Elam is actually Garrick's first name. And so it's just like it did. Those scenes didn't work for me. Like they would have probably worked the first time because like, you're like Bashir I wanted to believe him and then I knew that like especially the lies that's such a good line but yeah I mean see I have a very different read of this which is like I do believe like he is trying to convey how he feels about the situation within those lies because he's like I can't yeah. like let him in like that but I can let him know where I'm coming from and how I view myself as a result and like that's how I've always read all of those is like while he's going through withdrawal, all these contradicting feelings about himself. And so he's going to tell a story that has a little bit of truth in it, but ultimately conveys the emotion he's feeling about himself during it. And I'm not saying that's like healthy just, or right or like ha- what you should do with your partner right. at all or your doctor even. But like that's how I've kind of had to your partner and view <laughs> and view like Garrick's especially the lies, which is like 
that is how I'm going to be able to tell you what I'm feeling, and I'm sorry about it. Yeah. And just to reiterate, like, the chain of uh, lies. First, he was a murderer. Then he let the folks go. Then a random person let the folks go, and he didn't want to be accused, so he makes sure that Elim is blamed. Then it comes out that he is actually Elim. So it's, like, very... It's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That's all. I really just, when he was just ranting and raving right before he needed the emergency medical attention where we saw Nurse Jabara, I just, his acting was so good and it had me tense in the moment watching it. Just knowing yeah. how disappointed he was in himself. Yeah. It... One thing about Andy Robinson is he's going to put his whole rebussy into any Garrick scene. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we, needed a, we needed a moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> oh my god. Um, so Julian goes on his little, little road trip. <laughs> I thought it was so funny that they were like, Nurse Jabbar is like, we could probably keep him alive for a week if we turn the thing back on. And, and, and Garrick's like, please do not do that. So like, I have literally no idea how long Julian was gone, except for that Tane kept acting like it was very brave of you to come here. Like acting like it was a very long journey. So I do wonder how long. Oh, I thought that well, was in for. like Cardassian space, right? Like it would have been like a day or two away probably. Right. I also read that as like, like if... oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh it was like I am Do we know who Tane is? We know he's the... He he's the guy we that know... like the he retired was... head of the Obsidian. Okay, yeah. So I yeah, thought he was I, I like got you the know I should have had was... you killed for coming in here, right? Like, I didn't That's read it true. as... A... Like, I... Yeah. I got the impression he was, like, the head, but also specifically Garrick's, like, handler. Yeah. That, that is definitely true. It's... I, I hear you, Anya. It's, like, there are layers there that, like, are, like, leftist dangling threads that get pulled apart later, so it is... Hard to keep track of. Difficult to navigate. Yeah. No, I, I feel you. Tane... Tane's demeanor was so calm that it was very eerie to me. I found him very creepy. Um, The actor who I think was the grandfather on My So-Called Life. I have to double check that. Um, I really felt like he did a really good job. I I just knew that guy's voice a lot, too, if it is who I'm thinking of. Paul Dooley's also in um, Insomnia, which is the second feature film uh well yeah second american feature film um that nolan directs that i mean people don't talk about a lot but it's it's right. pretty good it's worth checking out he's not a main part of it he's just like the town sheriff i think of the town in alaska it's uh it's really like a hillary swank um al pacino robin williams joint mm. but, but uh um i was correct he does he's in two episodes of my so-called life as the grandfather mm-hmm. and he's so he in... was your grandfather then yeah and we're going to see yeah because you're talking about him. your so-called life 
So why is your life so called? Like it's like, and sorry. Um, I'll cut that out. It looks like we're gonna see more of him in Deep Space Nine as well. I don't remember why. Oh, I really want to. Why like, are you laughing? What is it? Because I'm making these bad jokes and you're just like ignoring me and going through it. It's really amusing to me. <laughs> well, then I'll continue to do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. We do have a no spoilers rule, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think it's fine to say this character comes back, but that's... No, no, no. It's just yeah. the scene I really love with some hindsight knowledge that we get later <laughs> oh yeah we'll talk we'll talk about it as soon as we hang up the call yay because <laughs> i don't remember okay um <laughs> oh um so i guess all is well at the end garrick comes to have a meal with bashir and <laughs> everything is quote unquote back to normal for next week um or maybe they learn to trust each other more. Or maybe Bar- I hope so. Bashir's just like, I've had enough of your nonsense, and I know that you're always going to be lying <laughs> to me forever. And I, yeah, I think I hope he, I hope he trusts Bashir more. I think he would have to after doing all of that. Yeah, but who's to say? The only other thing I want to say is I haven't watched it for a long time, but there's a, a Paul Gross movie called Passchendaele, which takes place during the, the First World War, but a lot of it's more like home front stuff. Um, and Paul Gross plays this like analog of his like grandfather or something like this. And uh, there's like the scene where two characters are uh, in 1910s Calgary and uh, one's breaking their, their more their morphine withdrawal. And so there was very similar scenes to, to things like this. And so that's that reminded me of that. But that's nothing important. So, yeah. I don't know about you two, but this has kind of been a really good conversation. It has been a really good conversation, kind of heavy at times. <laughs> I yes. got an hour less of sleep because we recorded this on the start the day that we we sprung ahead and uh, I don't know I could go for a long cold drink of Altair water I don't know about you but uh, I'm assuming you can because it's in the I notes. mean it's just so Anya will <laughs> go for it <laughs> <laughs> Anya we'll start with you who are you thirsting for this week on Deep Space Nine um. Bashir with his medical integrity and like, well, I guess maybe not because he broke space it, but but whatever. Um, <laughs> like ugh, the scene where he like forgives Garrick because he's like, this is what my patient needs or whatever. I'm just like, wow, like such empathy. That's so hot. <laughs> I love that. What about you, Elise? Um. I loved the opening scene where Bashir and Garrick are debating the never-ending, what was it? The never-ending sacrifice. sacrifice. And then discussing, like, literature and how, and I love that their tastes are different. And then at the end, when they have lunch again, um, Garrick brings him a new story. And it's, like, seems, like, more adventure. And it just is cute to me that he changed what kind of suggestion he was going to give 
Bashir because he knows his tastes a little bit better. And it just, it was very cute. And I love a, lo- a good literature conversation. Now kiss. <laughs> what about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a particularly um, thirsty episode for me, particularly this week. So That's fair. N- nothing for me. Did you have anything that you would say is the most Star Trek thing? I mean, probably it would be feeling like you had to wrap up and solve someone's, you know, mental health and addiction spiral in right. 45 minutes. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally valid. Oh, yeah. Um, what about you, Elise? Um, when <laughs> Dax said, did Chief O'Brien dislocate his shoulder again? <laughs> like, just the implication that, like, O'Brien is constantly getting, like, abused and, or tortured or injured is very funny to me and something that continues to come up on Star Trek going forward as well. Mm. Anya? Mine is that we can't tell how long it took uh, Bashir to get to Tane. <laughs> a passage of time? Imagine? Mm. Okay, imagine if we had a show of Star Trek that was like 24 where like you knew like every episode was like an hour that would be either really interesting or really boring it would have to be a medical one rather than a like torture science one but like yeah that's true Star Trek uh Oh man, Medbay! Like just—that's <laughs> the name of this show. I love it, Medbay, and then like a colon, and it's like Miami or whatever <laughs> place that it would be. Uh, I love when I start to not make any sense at all. It's wonderful. So, Anya. If folks wanted to uh, reach you on the internet, uh, where could they find you? Um, Anya893 at Twitter and AnyaEek with five E's on Instagram. Four E's. Fabulous. Five E's. Five E's. E's. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at, at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch Elise and I together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRates. And you can also email us at PodRates at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. And thank you again to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye. Bye.